Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, welcome back to another Buckeye Talk. Doug Landry, along with Bill Landis, your Ohio State Buckeyes, Cleveland.com coverage team. Um, Going to get into a lot of stuff today. I actually listened to the last podcast, Driving Across Nebraska, which takes like <laughs> three days to do. Nebraska, if you've never driven it, is very wide. It's like 500 miles across or something. I've done it. I've done the drive. You thought, like to drive, though. Yeah, I thought Nebraska is, is weird because I thought like, because you came from the West, right? You came from Wyoming, from yes. Nebraska. I thought like the first like hundred miles or so or so of Nebraska are actually kind of nice because you still get like the the bluffs I think they're called or whatever like the little mountains on the sides. Yeah. Then they disappear and it's just cornfields for four hundred miles and then it's boring. My wife is from Iowa and the people in Iowa make fun of Nebraska for being so flat and they like to because they think people think that Iowa's flat and they're yeah. like no 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 Nebraska's flat. So um, we're gonna get into um, Ohio State's presence on. Sports Illustrated's list of the top 100 college football players. We found the Buckeyes. We found the Big Ten players. We found the players on that list Ohio State's going to play. We found the players on that list Ohio State recruited and didn't get. And it's an interesting list because the, the thing that sticks out to me a little bit is that I feel like a lot of people thought last year that the Big Ten made up a lot of ground on the SEC and that the SEC has sort of become... Uh, this place that's Alabama and a bunch of kind of problems now. And the Big Ten is sort of finding its footing again. But then you look at a list like this and then you go through it and you think, wow, the, the Big Ten's okay on this, but it's not dripping with talent necessarily. Yeah. And when Ohio State is clearly the most talented team in the conference and they are not dominating a list like this. But I think there's a clear reason why and we'll get into that. We also have some questions from you guys on Twitter and I'll also give a 20 to 30 minute recap of my Yellowstone trip. <laughs> Let's just get to the Yellowstone recap. So anyway, and then I also want to go back and give my answers to the questions that you guys asked in last week's podcast where Bill and Ari answered them, but I was on vacation, so I was listening to the podcast, driving across Nebraska, and had it plugged in through my radio, and I was yelling at the radio, yelling out my answers, and there were a couple times where, like, Ari would say something, and I would yell at the radio, and then Ari would say, I know Doug disagrees with this, <laughs> and I was already yelling 
at the podcast that have been recorded two days earlier. You listened to it through, like, your entire family got to listen to Buckeye Talk? Well, when we when we travel, my children just watch movies and put oh. headphones on, and they don't even know that we exist. That's right. Um, and I think my wife fell asleep, but I think you guys woke her up when I started playing Buckeye Talk. Good. So, should we run through my old answers first before we get into this top 100 and the Twitter questions? Yeah, because I forget what the questions were. So, it'll be yeah, let's, let's okay. refresh that. So, the first one was... Could Ohio State survive recruiting oh, yeah. only Ohio, and particularly at quarterback? And quarterback, they absolutely could survive. And you guys were talking about, could they have a top 25 team with just Ohio players? They certainly could have a top 25 team. But the place where they would be in trouble is not quarterback, because you you guys mentioned Mitch Trubisky, but Deshaun Kaiser was a quarterback that Urban Meyer could have recruited. Malik Zaire was a quarterback who went to Notre Dame. And now is it Florida? I mean, Notre Dame's two quarterbacks were from Ohio. Mm-hmm. Um, Messiah DeWeaver, who we wrote a story about a couple years ago about what a good recruit he is for Michigan State. I think he'd be an Urban Meyer kind of quarterback that could have fit in here. Your boy, who you like as a quarterback, Sean Clifford, who's going to Penn oh, State. Yeah. I forgot about Is him. from Cincinnati. Yeah. And they did get Joe Burrow. There's not a ton like, I was just looking through, and I was yelling Deshaun Kaiser and Malik Zaire at the radio. Um, but I was looking through the quarterback, like the state rankings for Ohio in each of the years that Urban Meyer's been here, and there aren't there aren't quarterbacks. There aren't, like, three quarterbacks among the top 20 guys in Ohio. You, they're, they're sparse, mm-hmm. but there's always a guy. There was pretty much a guy every year that if you said, this is who we're going to get, you would have been okay. And you, you don't have to go get a JT Barrett. You don't have to go get a Dwayne Haskins. Because as we've said a million times, and I know you guys talked about it again last week, you know, there's certain things they need from a quarterback. Really, quarterback is not – it's great to have Deshaun Watson, but that's not the most important position for Ohio State to succeed. And I think they could find guys they need. Like Deshaun Kaiser would have been a different kind of player, but don't you think Urban Meyer could have worked with Deshaun Kaiser? I mean, they won a national championship with a Deshaun Kaiser-like quarterback, didn't they? And Cardell Jones. I think those guys are kind of similar. Yeah. So, yeah, they could have they could have definitely found success with him. All right. Second name I was yelling at the radio was you two with your recency bias. We have a lot of money. Something I admitted to recency bias. I believe in that podcast, or perhaps the one before. Somebody asked us. If we could bring back a player from the NFL to put on Ohio State's roster, who would it be? And like, I couldn't get past the 2016 draft class. So, admittedly, there's some recency bias happening. I was yelling Ted Ginn Jr. at the radio. Now, yeah. not the player that – I mean, Ted Ginn Jr. has been in the NFL for a decade. I mean, that's an unbelievable thing to do. He's still there. Not – I mean, you're not bringing back this Ted Ginn Jr., but that Ted Ginn Jr., what Ted Ginn Jr. was in college – if you could bring that back and put it on this Ohio, you guys are saying Mike Thomas, mm-hmm. Mike, and, and you also made the point Mike Thomas they had and didn't really use. I think Urban Meyer would find a way to use Ted Ginn Jr. Yeah, that's a good one. Ted Ginn was he was he's been in the NFL for ten years. You said right? Yeah, he was in the two thousand seven draft. Yeah, that's why I was I was a child, man. Yeah, I forgot about. I mean, him. you were like in middle school then. <laughs> so um, there was that one, and then I just. Oh, there was another one. Okay, there was another question about the secondary. Here's the main problem. People need to yell at Ari more in the podcast. You needed to... When Ari, I'm not a yeller. I'm not a yeller. Need, someone asked about, like, is the secondary... Can the secondary be as good this year? After they lost three guys in the first 20 picks of the NFL draft, 
And Ari was sort of like, well, you know, I mean, Malik Hooker's a really good player. It's certainly going to be a difficult task <laughs> to try to replace Malik Hooker. And I was screaming like, no, they're not going to be as good. What do you don't pussyfoot around about you know, it? I said that, though. Didn't I? I didn't no, yell No, you it. did, but you did. You should yell have yelled. He was yell. sort of like... Yeah. He was talking about it like he was on NPR or something like, well, certainly it'll be a tough job for the fighting Buckeyes to find a way. And I was just screaming, no, 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 they're not going to be as good. There's going to be a drop off there. There has to be. I mean, again, I think we've talked about that, but Kerry Combs can say whatever he wants. That was the most prolific secondary draft since Miami had three guys taken in the first round in. I think it was 2003. Something like that. And so, no. They're not going to be as good in the secondary. And now, I don't mean to rehash, but God. I was no, I like this. This is good. Yelling. I this actually is... like the idea of Ari and I recording a podcast and then you a week later critiquing the entire thing. Oh, my God. This was the worst thing. I don't know if his brain melts. <laughs> you guys get asked about the best chicken nuggets. Oh. Okay. And he immediately goes, first he starts talking about whether canes are nuggets or not. And then he says, okay, let's rate the Nuggets. Wendy's, Burger King, and McDonald's. Let's start rating Nuggets. And he initially does not include Chick-fil-A in the first time he speaks about the Nuggets. Then he's like, oh, okay, well, I guess we got to talk about... Well, yes, of course you have to talk about Chick-fil-A. And then you did. But initially... And then he concluded by saying he would pick McDonald's Nuggets over Chick-fil-A yeah, Nuggets. That and that's when I drove yeah. off the road. Thank God Nebraska is so flat because if they had any mountains there, I would have driven off the side of a cliff. How he can think McDonald's Nuggets are better than Chick-fil-A Nuggets is unbelievable to me. Yeah, that blew my mind. I would, And frankly, putting them ahead of Wendy's Nuggets, I strongly disagree with too. The one thing I will say, because there was a little, a little bit of a dilemma as to whether or not we should include Chick-fil-A in the conversation... Because it just kind of feels like a different kind of thing than a McDonald's or a Wendy's or a Burger King, doesn't it? It's like a, it's like a more more upscale. It has a drive higher, higher quality of food. It has a drive-through and it gives you bite-sized pieces of chicken. Yeah, no, I guess I don't that's know what true. I mean, it's not it's not fast casual. You don't have to go in and get in line. That's the distinction. We're not talking about like Chipotle. We're talking about Chick Fil A. You drive up, you get in the drive-through, say, "Give me twelve nugs and some fries," and you go on your way. Yeah, no, and I yeah, and I came around to that, and I think, but I I just think like if you said rank fast food chicken nuggets. Tess, a person on the street, Chick-fil-A will not pop into their mind right away. I, I would not want to know that person. Though. I know. Well, I mean, it's wrong because Chick, Chick-fil-A has the best nuggets. But I think just to get Ari's back a little bit, I, I kind of see where his mind was. And then we corrected it. But then, but then he was wrong. In the end, he decided – and I did, I did appreciate this. This is where he particularly acknowledged that he knew that I would go crazy, that he picked McDonald's over Chick-fil-A, which is indefensible. All right. That's my recap of your podcast. I can't remember what you guys did the week. Oh, and then the other thing was... We did more questions the week You before. guys did back-to-back mailbags. Yeah. And then Ari complained on the podcast that you guys didn't get enough questions. He said, like, come on, people. You got to step up. And I was I like... I thought we got good questions. But he was complaining there weren't more. They're not supposed to do your work for you. No. I was, well, here's the thing. Yes, that was lazy. It was definitely the lazy approach to take. And I was thinking about this. On my, I swear to God, on my drive over here, I was like... I bet Doug is not going to like that we did back-to-back mailbag podcasts when he wasn't here. Um, and it's kind of indefensible, I suppose. But the thing is, like, there are, I think, like, larger, I don't know if philosophical is the right word, type of conversations we would like to have about the 2017 football season. And I don't think we wanted to have them without the entire group together. So I think that's why we opted on the side of mailbag. Okay. Well, that I, that I can deal with then. 
Because if you guys would have gone into like a deep dive about philosophically, like, like what if we just gave like our win loss predictions for the 2017 season when you weren't here? Oh my god, <laughs> that would have been awful. <laughs> Let's really do a deep dive on the psyche of Urban Meyer and why we think Urban Meyer is more prepared to handle year six at Ohio State than he was at Florida. And I would have been saying, what are you doing? You're leave, Wait for me. Right. That's, that's what it was. I appreciate that. All right. We're going to talk about this top 100 list. We're stealing it from Sports Illustrated, but we're also giving you a peek. We are, and Bill and I just sat here and did this, we just got our list of the top 50 Ohio State football players for 2017. We just got that list together, and we're going to start rolling that out soon. Maybe even as you are starting to listen to this. Yeah. Um, We'll count back from 50 to 1. It's an interesting exercise. You get into some, like, you know, there's a bunch of backup defensive linemen and offensive linemen on there because um, it's, it's with this team, there's a lot back. So there's not as many fights for jobs, maybe, as there were last year. Um, but yet there's not a million superstars either. Um, but that's, I think, what we want to get into. There's a point I certainly want to make about this with the top 100 list. So what we're going to do, we're going to talk about the Sports Illustrated Top 100, where the Ohio State players fit in, and what that maybe says to us about Ohio State this year and whether we think this list was good, bad, did they make some mistakes. And here's we're already talking about this. When you do a national list like this, now they have national college football experts at Sports Illustrated, but this list was not put together, I don't think, by their – top-of-the-line college football experts. So a lot of what they do is they go and read about the guys on the good teams. So our stories help influence the list, which we then talk about and criticize and say, why did they have this Ohio State guy ranked here? And the reason they had that guy ranked there is because they read a story that we wrote. So here's the four Ohio State players in the top 100 of all of college football. And, Bill, you say... Of these four, did they get these four guys in the right order? And where they are overall in the top 100, what did you think of that? So number 59 is JT Barrett. Number 50 is Tyquan Lewis. Number 37 is Billy Price. And number 35, the top Buckeye, is only at number 35, which is one point to note. And it's Nick Bosa. So what do you think of the idea that Ohio State does not have one of the top 34 players in college football, according to this list. And by the way, there are four Big Ten players higher than any Ohio State player, and we'll get into that. What do you think of the fact that the top Buckeye is number 35, and what do you think of the fact that the top Buckeye is Nick Bosa? Uh, I think that's probably off. Um, And I, I guess I can see why you would put Nick Bosa as the number one guy He's got the name, he's got the recruiting um, sort of pedigree that he came to Ohio State with, and he looked pretty good last year. So, like, if you want to say he's the best player, I mean, he might end up being the best player on the team this year. Billy Price is a first-team All-American. Are there, and he was number what? 37. And I don't know how many offensive linemen were on the list before him. We didn't count that all up. But Billy Price is one of the, I don't know, I, I feel pretty confident saying that Billy Price is probably one of the top ten offensive linemen in the country. And he's low. I think he should be the top Ohio State player to base off what he's accomplished. He's going to be a four-year starter, multiple positions. He's going to play center this year. Um, I think he's a candidate for the Remington Award, just like Pat Elfline was last year when he won it. 
And like I said before, he's an All-American. Uh, that's the guy I would put number one. If you want to put Bosa behind him, that's fine. I'll listen to that. And then I think Taekwon Lewis ahead of JT Barrett makes sense to me too. Um, there are some other guys from Ohio State who I think should be on this list who weren't, or at least one other that I can think of off the top of my head. Um, but Billy Price not being the number one Ohio State player, if you're going to base it on past accomplishments and past recognitions, I think is, is a little off. Jerome Baker, the he's guy the, you think should be in the top yes, 100? yeah. Why do you think he's not? I don't know. I, I think it's it's easier for us, I think, as guys who have like seen what like Darren Lee was here before Darren Lee became a national superstar. Um, he was just like an explosive athlete that played linebacker that we all thought were, was going to be good, and we were all probably a little ahead of the curve on that because we saw him every day. And I think that's happening with Jerome Baker a little bit too. Um, but like Jerome Baker made a huge play against Michigan. He made a huge play against Oklahoma. Like he's done big things on big stages where the, the entire country was watching. I think he was third on the team in tackles last year. I think he's their leading returning tackler this year. Um, he sacks a quarterback. He gets close to 100 tackles. He intercepts the ball, and he's really exciting when he gets a ball in his hands after he intercepts it. And I think he's physically like one of these tweener linebacker safety types who the country seems enamored with. And, he's the modern college football right, linebacker. And like the number one guy is Derwin James, who is not quite – positionally what Baker is, but I think along the same lines of like athleticism and what he can do on the field. So I don't know why Jerome Baker's not there. If it's just he, for whatever reason, got overshadowed on the defense last year that had three guys in the secondary go in the first round and Rayquan McMillan was playing next to him. And the defensive line got a little more publicity than he did. But um, I think Jerome Baker, yeah, he should have been on the list. It's interesting because you look at guys, the three Ohio State guys, the three veterans on the list, uh, the three seniors, Price, Lewis, and Barrett, you're rating them based on what they've already done mm-hmm. because, you know, they've sort of reached their ceilings. They're, I don't know. Well, JT Barrett. JT Barrett could certainly have two very different kinds of years. He could have a year that was more like he was in the second half of last year, which is an inconsistent passer that um, has trouble leading an offense that's going to scare anybody. Or he could get back to what he is at his best, what we saw in 2014, how dangerous he can be at a runner, and when he's confident and accurate as a passer, and he could be uh, a Heisman candidate. So it's, it's I, he's a little more difficult to rate. Price and Lewis are what they are, but Bosa is, is rated on potential. I mean, he was a guy who was a backup last year, a part-time player, um, certainly made some big plays, but you're just projecting that based on he was a five-star recruit, his People say he's better than his brother, and his brother was an All-American and the third pick in the draft. Um, but we haven't seen it. You're, you're, you're basing that on what you think you're going to see. And that's I like lists like this, and that's why I like the top 50 Buckeyes list we're going to do, because it's a combination of that. It's a combination of what you think you've seen and what you think you might see. Um, but I think Baker is the most interesting guy. Ohio State has in terms of he has done it already, but I also don't think he has been yet the best of what he can be. Yeah, I'd agree with that. That he's in between someone like Tyquan Lewis and Nick Bosa, when Bosa is basically all potential, Lewis is all past production, and Baker, I think, is part of both. So I looked up, um, just to go back to the Billy Price point real quick, I looked up the offensive linemen who were named first team All American last year on like all the major lists, and there were eleven of them, and only three are back: Cody O'Connell, Connor, Cody O'Connell, Washington State, Connor Williams at Texas, and Billy Price are the only three returning first team All American offensive linemen. And I was trying to go through and see how many linemen were ranked ahead of them on this list, and my phone's freezing. So, but you always the interior linemen always get on lists like this a little short shrift compared to the tackles. The tackle, yeah. 
Which I guess makes sense, but um, just going to bat for Billy Price. That's all right. He'll, he's listening. He'll appreciate it. And then I think Jamarco Jones is a guy I think who also could maybe be on this list, but I certainly sounded outrageous that he's not. Uh, but he's no. a guy, I mean, again, he's a left tackle. He's at a premium position. Um, he's established himself. He's been an all Big Ten player, and uh, people are expecting big things out of him this year. The thing I wonder about the offensive line, I guess this could be the last point about it, is like they, the offensive line as a whole got a lot of crap last year for what was really kind of inefficiencies at one, maybe two spots at times with right tackle and left guard with Michael Jordan, the true freshman there. And I wonder if, like Pat Alfine won the Remington Awards, maybe this sounds stupid, but if Billy Price gets shortchanged at all and Jamarco Jones gets shortchanged at all because the line as a whole was not good, even though those guys as individuals were really good. Because people remember the Clemson game. or People, people remember, remember the Michigan game where JT yeah. Barrett couldn't throw the ball in Penn State where he got sacked like nine times in the fourth quarter. Right. I think that's possible. Um all right, so how many big – How many? given what the Big Ten is, there's five power conferences, and obviously then there's going to be other guys on this list from non-power conference, conferences. For instance, um, Logan Woodside, the quarterback from Toledo, is on this list. There's Ed Oliver, the defensive lineman from Houston. There was Tom Herman's big recruit at Houston is uh, top five on this list. Um, so it's not only power five teams, but um, – if you give maybe 10 spots to those other conferences and then you divide, what's 90 divided by 5? Uh, I'm not good at math. God, how bad? Do I, get, do I really have to go to a calculator <laughs> for us to do 90 divided by 5 live on the radio? 18. 18. So if 90 divided by 5 is 18, how many players should the Big Ten have in the top 100? Uh, 20. Yeah, that was 14. Yeah. That's low. So it felt like the Big Ten gained a little bit on the SEC last year. Um, a lot of that is had, I think, has to do with coaching. Um, when you look at Urban Meyer and Jim Harbaugh and what James Franklin's done at Penn State and what Paul Christ has done at Wisconsin and Mike Riley being a pretty big-time coach coming to Nebraska and Kirk Ferentz being very established at Iowa and Pat Fitzgerald being a very respected coach at Northwestern and Mark D'Antonio having uh, completely revitalized the Michigan State program, even though they were a little bit down last year. Um, P.J. Fleck to Minnesota. The Big Ten, and then you look at you look at the SEC and it's Nick Saban and then a lot of question marks. You know, Les Miles is gone now. Um, you know, Brett Bielema hasn't made the splash at Arkansas that maybe people thought he would. Kevin Sumlin at Texas A&M, I think, is a guy that people think if he doesn't have a great year this year, maybe it would be time to move on somewhere else. So um, I think in some ways there certainly is uh, a discussion at the Big Ten, which we always, and I wrote a million stories about, and everybody did, about how far behind they were the SEC. They're not behind like that anymore. And they, in some ways they might even be ahead of them. But then you look at a list like this, and I think you look and see, well, Clemson from the ACC has a lot of guys on this list. Florida State has guys on this list, but I think you still see overall when you're talking about top, 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 top talent, it's the Big Ten still eh, not quite there. Well, like as a whole, because does that just speak more to the Midwest talent pool than it does anything else? Like if schools in the SEC, like even like, I don't know, to pick a random team in the SEC who's not very good, uh, Mississippi State. Like I don't know if they have any players on the list, but... I feel like the average player at Mississippi State is better than the average player at Indiana just because of the talent pool they have to recruit yeah. from. I mean, I think it says more about um, 
the rest of the Big Ten. And the fact that there's some good coaches there. I think they, they coach the players they have well, but they still are not recruiting at the same level. When we talk about the 14 Big Ten players on this list, it's four from Ohio State, three from Penn State, two each from Northwestern and Michigan, and one each from Indiana, Iowa, and Wisconsin. Michigan should be higher. Michigan should have more. Michigan, yeah, sorry. Michigan should have two at Michigan is like shockingly low. Rashawn Gary, we'll get into so this run through this a little bit. We're not going to just just list players. We're going to do more than that. But the number one player in the Big Ten, I think, is indisputable. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? I agree with that. Yeah. Are you you can sit and think to yourself, wait, I know who it is, right? Do I know who? Yeah, I know who it is, right? You you know who it is. Just five more seconds to think of it. Five. Four, three. Saquon Barkley. Wow. Penn State running back. He's number five on this list. He's a legit Heisman candidate. Uh, I've been a big fan of Saquon Barkley ever since he ran for like almost 200 yards against Ohio State as a freshman in Columbus. Penn State comes to Columbus again this year. Um, that is a great offense that Penn State has. It's a really. It's not real complex, but it's a mobile quarterback who can throw a deep ball and a great running back. Boy, does it sounds, work well Sounds sometimes. familiar. Man, it is not. I mean, yeah, it's the Cardale Jones, Ezekiel Elliott school of beating Alabama. Yeah. I mean, they, they didn't beat USC last year uh, in their bowl game, but they scored a lot of points, didn't they? So it, was like, it was like 50 to 49 or something. So they got to stop yeah. some people, but, I mean, they Nobody had the components. Yeah. And they, they lost some receivers, so they got to figure that out. But they still have three guys on this list. So number five is Barkley. Number 22 is Rashawn Gary from mm-hmm. Michigan, who is Michigan's version of Nick Bosa. Uh, number 29, this surprised me a little bit, is Josie Jewell, linebacker from Iowa. Number 31 is Justin Jackson, the running back from Northwestern. Uh, Bosa's 35, Billy Price is 37, and then Trace McSorley, the Penn State quarterback, is 41. And then we'll, you know, we're not going to read the rest of the list, but um, four Big Ten players. Ahead of the top Buckeye is kind of interesting when supposedly, I mean, not supposedly, when Ohio State clearly year in, year out has the best talent in the conference, but there are four teams that have a better player than Ohio State has. It's interesting to me, and I don't, I'm going to probably sound ignorant because I'm not an expert on Iowa, but like if Josie Jewell was on Ohio State's defense, would he be the best player in Ohio State's defense? I don't know. That's a good question. I don't think he would. And I think he was a borderline All-American last year. I think some people actually ended up voting for him. He was an All-Big Ten player. I think I actually voted for him for All-Big Ten. Um, but he seems high to me. He seems high, and Justin Jackson seems high. Justin Jackson carries the ball 45 times a game and, like, averages three yards per carry. And I think he, like, he's tough, and I like him. He's a, good, he's a good player, and on a different team, maybe I'd think a little differently of him. But he's what, number 31? He's number 31 in the country, and, and is he really that much better than Mike Weber? I don't con- no, I don't, I don't think so. I think Mike Weber's probably better. I don't consider Justin Jackson a very dynamic player. Um, I just think he's like a solid Big Ten running back. Thirty-one, Number 31 in the country seems very high for him. Um, so here's, But here's the point I want to make. Maybe you can guess my point. There's a point, I think, to make about why Ohio State would not fare that well on a list like this. And did we tell the people what Ohio State had last year? Did we already say that? We did not say that, no. Why don't you tell them? We had last year, so Ohio State has four players in this top 100 Sports Illustrated list. This year, 
Last year they had three mm-hmm. in the top 100, but that was a team that had very little coming back in terms of returning starters. So right. um, three was not outrageous. They certainly have more a larger quantity of players back this year. But last year the three were who? JT Barrett was number 20. Uh, Ray Quan McMillan was number 33, and Pet Elfline was number 38. And I think in the, I mean that in the end that that's not that's not bad. I mean Pat Elfline won a major national award as the best center in the country. Uh, Ray Quan McMillan was angry that he wasn't an All American, but was certainly an All Big Ten caliber player, uh, first team All Big Ten, and the leader of this defense. Mm-hmm. And then JT, we know what kind of year JT had. So um, here's the thing. Guys like Marshawn Lattimore and Malik Hooker were not on that list a year ago. And they shouldn't have been because they had never been starters in college football. And then they both went in the top 15 of the NFL draft. And if Malik Hooker and Marshawn Lattimore had come back they would both be in the top 10. Mm -hmm. Malik Hooker, I think, because again, the number one player on this list is Derwin James, safety from Florida State. Two is Baker Mayfield. Three is Lamar Jackson, the Heisman winner. The way they're looking at things and taking things into consideration, I think Malik Hooker would have been in the running to be the number one player in college football. Yeah, I think so. I think, yeah, I think he could have been. On a list like this. Yeah, certainly like number two. We wouldn't put James ahead of him. But if you were looking at, uh, if you were the people sitting down and saying, okay, we're basing it on production of the past, what we've seen, the kind of impact that player has on a game, the way he makes his team win, and what he could be this coming year, I think you might make Malik Hooker number one. And I think Marshawn Lattimore would be like number seven. Yeah, I was going to say eight. So, but that is now the issue at Ohio State. It is going to be, um, and it's the issue at other places too, but not a million places, but it's sort of like Kentucky and basketball that you are, if they're going to keep doing this, you know, Noah Brown could have been on this list if he came back. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think, uh, is who else am I missing that went early? That, I mean, Gary on Conley. Conley would have been on the list, yeah. You know, so lots of guys leave early. Curtis not, Samuel. Curtis Samuel would yeah. be like number two on this list. Yeah. And, and, I bet there was someone yelling at the the radio for Curtis Samuel, like you were yelling at us. Oh, about uh, to bring back from the NFL? No, no, no. Just that we were forgetting a name. Oh, yeah, Curtis Samuel. But like, and, and so Malik Hooker went and went high in the first round. Curtis Samuel wasn't a first round pick. I mean, there's a world where Curtis Samuel could have come back, and if Curtis Samuel came back, he certainly would be in the top ten. Maybe he'd be behind Barkley, but not far behind Barkley. Yeah, and he should. Yeah, he'd be right there with him. Mm-hmm. But they don't stay anymore. So, I mean, this is just the way it's going to be. They're, we're going to do – we were looking back on our top 50 Buckeyes list from last year. I think Marshawn Lattimore was like number 17 and Malik Hooker was like number 12 or something. Yeah. Um, so we're not – you know, a guy like Jordan Fuller at safety for Ohio State or a guy like uh, – trying to think. Who are the guys that are going to be back – well, uh, guys that could go pro – but haven't shown a ton already. Oh, like Fuller's a good one. No, no, Fuller's, Fuller's a true sophomore. Pro. I don't know. How many guys fit that bill this year? There's not as many that fit that bill. I was going to say like Jamarco Jones. There's a lot of, true, there's a lot of seniors he's and pretty like high. true sophomores. Yeah. Like David Arnett, maybe? So there are guys, but you know, there, there are going to be guys when we're sitting here doing this again a year from now that 
flashed and left. And that then they just never get to be part of a list like this. And that's just the reality that Ohio State has to deal with now. Yeah, that was the thing. Like, when we were put together our top 50 list of Ohio State players, I, like, just made an initial list by class of who I thought should be considered. And by far, the largest group of players was a sophomore class. And that includes redshirt sophomores and true second-year players. But it was, I think, like, far and away the largest group of, of, of talent on this roster is, is centralized in that sophomore class. And those guys aren't like a lot of them largely didn't play last year, like you said. So they're not going to be in this. Even if you think like Kendall Sheffield, who was a five-star cornerback coming out of high school and went to Alabama and then transferred to junior college, if you think he's going to be awesome and be a one-and-done guy at Ohio State, he's never going to be in a list like this. Right? No one's ever seen him play before. Right. So I'm going to do another trivia question. So if you're driving down the road or you're on the treadmill right now, um, get ready for a trivia question that I'm going to give Bill. Fifteen quarterbacks made this list of the top 100 for Scorch Illustrated. Where is JT Barrett? We don't. We told you what number overall he is, which is 59. So that gives you a little gauge here. But where does he rank among quarterbacks in the nation, according to Sports Illustrated? Uh, <coughs> number 12. I'm counting. Okay, I'm going to say number 12. Are you ready on the treadmill and on, the, on your car radio? Eight. He's number eight. He's the eighth quarterback. So now we're going to play. Oh, yeah. Does Bill, how well does Bill Landis know national college football quarterbacks? How many of the, how many of the seven quarterbacks ahead of him on this list can you name? Quarterbacks ahead of JT Barrett. Ahead of JT Barrett. Uh, Josh Rosen. Nope. Really? Josh Rosen is not ahead of him. Wow. He's number 84. Okay. Let me start over. Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson is number overall number three yeah. on the list for Louisville. And Baker Mayfield, you said, is number two. Number so two. Uh, Trace McSorley? Trace McSorley is ahead of JT Barrett. He is the fifth highest quarterback, number 41 overall. Trace McSorley from Penn State. Sam Darnold from USC? Sam Darnold is number three among the quarterbacks, number 11 overall. Josh Allen from Wyoming? He is not on the list unless I missed him. And that seems strange. Should we pause it and look? Because like Josh Allen is the guy that when I was like, you know, when you're dealing with like Brown's uh, future draft stuff, Josh Allen is the guy from Wyoming that people are going nuts over. Um, quarterback from Wyoming. I should have stopped and done a Josh Allen story when I was driving through Wyoming. I didn't even think of that. Oh, yeah. Shoot. That's my bad. Can I go back? I don't uh, I don't know if he's on it. That doesn't make any sense if he's not. I don't know how. I, I searched Josh Allen's name, and the first thing that came up was a Sports Illustrated story that said he's probably to be the number one pick in 2018, yet he's not in Sports Illustrated's list of the top 100 college football players. Yeah. All right. So we just have to look through this whole list now because I might have missed somebody. We can pause. We'll pause uh, for an ad, and then uh, we'll come back with our yeah, we have ads now. discovery. Okay, guys, quick second here to talk about the Greater Cleveland Food Bank. Uh, we know it can be hard to know which charities deserve your money these days and which charities you can trust to use that money in the right way. We're telling you, you can trust the Greater Cleveland Food Bank. The ratings website Charity Navigator gave the food bank four stars. That's the highest possible score it can get for its transparency and use of your money. That's one of the reasons why Cleveland.com is a partner of the Greater Cleveland Food Bank. 
Last year, the food bank provided 50 million meals, 50 million meals, to hungry people in Cuyahoga, Ashtabula, Geauga, Lake, Ashland, and Richland counties. To learn more about giving food, money, or your time, please visit greaterclevelandfoodbank.org. Okay, so we looked, and Josh Allen is not on the list. I feel like that's an oversight. I feel like, yeah, because he should be on it. It's not like they don't think he's good enough. I think they just forgot about the quarterback from Wyoming. Yeah. So now the whole list gets shuffled because you got to slot Josh Allen in there somewhere. Yeah, I'm probably ahead of JT Barrett. I will. If he's a number one pro prospect, at least in some people's eyes, how could he possibly not be on the list, and how could he not be ahead of JT Barrett? Right. All right, well... So Josh Allen with an asterisk, but so the four guys you've said so far that are actually ahead of JT Barrett on this screwed up list that forgot Josh Allen, <laughs> Baker Mayfield, Lamar Jackson, Sam Darnold, and Trace McSorley. There's two, three more guys actually on the list, and if, we're not going to sit here all day. I mean, no, I'm trying to, yeah, just read them off. I'm not, not going to get them. Mason Rudolph, Oklahoma State, from Oklahoma State is 34. Jake Browning from Washington, Washington. playoff quarterback. Uh huh. 45 and Quentin Flowers from South Florida. Oh, I like him. Is yeah. 53. I would, yeah, I should have, I probably would have guessed he would have been behind JT Barrett, but he's fun to watch. So Josh Rosen is behind him. Jalen Hurts from Alabama is behind him. Luke Falk from Washington State's behind him. Um, does that seem about right? We've been, I feel like we were more skeptical of JT Barrett um, at times. Then people were last year when people were calling him a Heisman candidate and stuff, and you were writing things like Curtis Samuels, the actual Heisman candidate on this team, like a month into the season. Um, and then it, that's how it bore itself out, that JT Barrett was nowhere close to a Heisman candidate. Mm-hmm. And again, we're not going to turn this into a whole rehash of JT Barrett, because I think we're going to spend basically an entire college football season doing that. Um but for when, and again, we've talked about he fits a lot of what Urban Meyer wants to do, but when you talk about just like best quarterbacks, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, is eighth in the country about right for him? Yeah, I mean, now that I know the names that are behind him, I don't. there's definitely not anyone ranked in front of him that I, I think is wrong. I would probably put all those guys. I'm not super high on Jake Browning, yeah, to be completely honest. Yeah, he seems like he was not prepared necessarily for – Alabama. No, he right? seemed. I mean, it's Alabama, so like, like a lot of quarterbacks will look like that, and like juxtaposed to Deshaun Watson, who like smoked Alabama twice. Um, he looks especially bad. But if there's anyone that has an argument, maybe maybe JT should be ahead of him. But in, in large part, I think that's a good spot for him. Um, Luke Falk being behind him was a little surprising, but he plays plays in the air raid, and maybe that skews things a little bit. So it sounds right. Josh Rosen behind him, I think, surprises. Is that just injury stuff, though? I like guess he, has, he hasn't been healthy, so if he's healthy, certainly he's a, at least a better pro prospect than JT is. So eighth is good. Eighth is not Heisman candidate. Eighth best quarterback is not Heisman candidate. Um, but it seems like a good spot. And, and I think, like, potentially in terms of, like, how you, college production and less along the lines of how you um, project into the NFL – JT Barrett can be better than that this year. I do think – I was thinking about this the other day when I was driving for 40 hours across Nebraska. Um, drive. And, and I want you to talk about this. You guys talked to JT Barrett at the uh, like the job fair they had a couple mm-hmm. of weeks ago. I was not there because I was on vacation. But um, I am now sort of backwards coming around to the idea of like, okay, like if now officially people are really getting down on JT Barrett 
now is JT Barrett actually setting up to have like a really good year. Like I think he's been um, at times overrated by people who were just not realistic about some of his limitations as a thrower. Um, but when you start talking about what he does wrong, uh, you can easily forget about what a what a devastating runner he can be in terms of converting third downs, keeping plays alive, turning negative plays into positive plays, um, at times just devastating a defense with uh, his ability to run the zone read very smartly and then bust through a hole and be fast enough and physical enough to turn that not just into a seven-yard gain but a 25-yard gain. So he absolutely is a very effective offensive weapon as a college football quarterback. He's just not a great thrower. At least he wasn't in the second half of last year. But if he gets that straightened out um, and he gets more help from the play calling, he certainly could be better. Yeah, the thing I can't figure out, and we'll we'll get into this a lot, I, I think, um, as the season gets closer. I, I get the vibe that like the sentiment among a large portion of the fan base is that JT Barrett is incapable of being the quarterback that he was in 2014. And I guess there's two parts of that. It's like, do you think he can be the quarterback he was in 2014? And is 2014 JT Barrett good enough to win Ohio State a national championship? Um and those are two separate questions, I guess. But I, the idea in my head of like Kevin Wilson coming in, tweaking the offense a little bit, Ryan Day getting in JT Barrett's head and, and get building back some of the confidence that he had uh, a couple years ago, it's not crazy to me to think that he could be as good as he was in 2014, which was a guy who finished fifth in the Heisman voting and, and lit up Ohio State's record record books um, as a redshirt freshman. Um, so if that happened, like I, I think that's out there. I, I think that the expectations, like you said, have been significantly lowered for him because he has been so bad the last two years. Part of that being his fault. Part of that being uh, the coaching staff's fault. Um, I think it's out there for him to have to have uh, a season similar to fourteen. And maybe people think we're crazy for saying that, but I, I think it's like almost pretty realistic. Um, I see you with the Phil Steele. Well, I just wanted to look and see in Phil Steele, because he does positional rankings as well, where JT Barrett was in the quarterback rankings. And he, Phil Steele has his top 44 quarterbacks for next season. Um, Josh Allen, by the way, is number four. He, ah. he didn't forget him. Uh, JT Barrett is sixth behind Darnold. Rosen is two. Rudolph is three. Allen is four. Jackson is five. And Barrett is six. And this list... list goes more with like NFL projections you'd see. Not necessarily who's the best college quarterback, but who projects to the NFL. Where's Baker Mayfield? Baker Mayfield is 14th. Yeah. That's pretty low. And Baker Mayfield, again, is number two overall on the Sports Illustrated list of best college football Like players. Baker Mayfield is below Wilton Spate, Michigan's quarterback. That's crazy. Unless it's, like, it's it's and it's draft-eligible players, so it's obviously taking NFL into account. JT Barrett is the sixth most... Ready NFL ready quarterback in college football also seems wrong to me. Yes. Um, but I guess that just speaks to kind of the confusion of how you're supposed to evaluate JT Barrett at this point in his career. It is hard. I mean, you really have to – it's just how you define the parameters because, it is, as we all know, it's a very different thing to evaluate someone as a college football player and as an NFL prospect. They are – occasionally those things overlap. But many times they don't have much to do with each other. Um, Okay, so now as we get into this list a little bit more, and we're going to get to your questions here soon. Um, And then we have a Giordano's pizza story that I need to tell Bill because... Really excited to hear. We are recording this in my basement, 
And the plan, we're recording this on Monday, July 3rd, so that uh, we can all enjoy fireworks on the 4th, and we can give this to you piping hot, fresh, and new on the 5th. Um, the plan was to eat Giordano's pizza just before recording this, and that did not happen. So I have to tell Bill why that did not happen. There's a new Giordano's pizza in the Columbus area, but it's not only in the Columbus area, it's in on the edge of Westerville, which is where I live, and it is like two miles from my house. And so... It's like they built it just for you. It is. I don't know what I did to deserve it, <laughs> but I was in there. We were in there the first day, and they were playing... Uh, I was eating Chicago-style pizza, and I went to college in Chicago, and they were playing like R.E.M. songs, which is my favorite <laughs> band, and like other like 90s... They were playing some Pearl Jam and stuff. And I was like, this, like, there's someone who said, what are we trying to do here with this Westerville Giordano's? And they said, we're trying to recreate what it was like to go to college in Chicago in the mid-90s. That's what we're shooting for here. And that's what I lived. And I was like, this is unbelievable. I could be, I feel like I'm 20 doing this. Because when I was 20, that's all I wanted to do, was sit and eat like an entire... Chicago style pizza and listen to REM and Pearl Jam. I told them you were coming. That's the yeah. It is. So like if that's your thing, and I'm imagining there's like a half percent of you that like that is your thing, because if you're younger than thirty-five and older than forty-five, that is not your thing. But if that's your thing, go there. <laughs> it's lovely. Okay. Ohio State is going to play 11 players that made this list that are on the Ohio State schedule this year. Oklahoma has four, Penn State has three, Michigan has two, and Iowa and Indiana each have one. So, again, we already ran through. Who from Indiana? Tigray's Scales, their oh, linebacker. That's interesting. Who I remember. He's from Ohio. When we did our. Is he? Yeah. When we did our rankings last year. Um, of the best Big Ten players, which we may do again before the season. I think we put him on there pretty high because people liked him then. Um, he's a good linebacker. Um, so they're playing 11 guys that are on this list. The one guy, I wanted to talk a little bit about the Oklahoma people because that's going to matter right away in the second week of the year. Um, I think a point that we want to get into, and we talked to, we talked to uh, what's his name? Ryan Aker? from the Oklahoman that we talked to a couple Ryan, of weeks ago. Ryan Aber? Oh, that was horrible. Is it Aber? I apologize. Yeah. He's not listening. It's fine. Um, and we talked about the Ohio State-Oklahoma game. Um, I think Oklahoma's defense is going to be a lot better than the Oklahoma defense we saw uh, when Ohio State went to Norman last year. Now, they're not, they don't have Joe Mixon. They don't have Samaji Pirine. They don't have... Diddy Westbrook. They're going to have some big skill position guys to replace on offense, but they do have their quarterback back. And if Baker Mayfield doesn't come out and play the best game of his career in this game in Columbus, then he's not the player you think he is because he was okay last year, but he made some plays. He also made some mistakes. If he's any, I mean, he also got into some off field trouble. Wasn't there a video of him running from the cops? It was like a weird kind of like, yeah, yeah, not a good look from Baker Mayfield. He like it's like he got something happened and it was like the cops were there and he like tried to he run tried to run away like and got like four feet. Yeah, he's not as elusive as, he, as we thought he was. No, he didn't turn his back to the cops <laughs> and try to spin in a circle. So 
if he, you have to expect that if he's any kind of player, he's going to play his best game. Because they, after they lost to Ohio State, they won their last 10 games last year. Um, they were nearly a playoff team. But they have a lot back on defense. They have their entire offensive line back. Oklahoma has a lot back on defense. And Ohio State was able to exploit a glaring hole at the one cornerback spot last year that was a huge issue for them early in the year with injuries and inexperience. And they moved a couple guys in and out, I think, at that spot after the Ohio State loss for them. But um, Orlando, so Baker Mayfield's two. Orlando Brown, their left tackle, is number 32. He's one of the best offensive linemen in the country. Um, and he is the son of the former Browns offensive lineman, Orlando Brown. Then Jordan Thomas, uh, one of their corners, is number 64. And then one of their linebackers that we researched how to say his name. Do you remember how to say it? I'm looking for it right now so I can read it and, and try to pronounce it at the same time. Uh, Obanaya Okoronkwu. Obanaya Okoronkwu is number 88. So they have a top 100 player uh at linebacker and a top 100 player at corner, and they have a lot back on their defensive line. So I think um, they're going to be more geared up to try to stop Ohio State than they were last year when Noah Brown just ate him for lunch. It's interesting like to take the SI list like juxtaposed to what Phil Steele has. Phil Steele has Oklahoma's offensive line as the number one offensive line in the country. And I think one of the best things, if I can give Phil Steele a plug, the best things in his magazine is when he ranks the individual units. Tremendous. Um it's a thing I use it a lot. I started voting in the AP poll last year, and I use the rankings of the offensive and defensive lines um, to heavily influence who I rank in the preseason poll. Anyway, his defensive line, Oklahoma's defensive line, he has 35th, which seemed low given all you said. Oklahoma's linebackers, he has 18th, and Oklahoma's secondary, he has 13th. So that's pretty good. I mean, that's a pretty good mix of, of positional um, defensive groups, but it's not. It's lower than I thought it would be. I thought that Oklahoma might have like three top 15 units at all, at all three spots, and it's not quite right. that. But I think it's also very easy to improve on what they were last year, at least what they were against Ohio State last year. And, and again, I think that's the thing that everybody – I think we mentioned this before. All Ohio State fans are going to have to remember this. Um, the Oklahoma team that Ohio State beat in week two – is not the team that that Oklahoma ended up being last year. And I think you could argue that that Oklahoma game was the best that Ohio State played last year. And I think you could argue that it was a low point for Oklahoma. Certainly that was the best team they played, so that then you look bad when you play good teams. But they got their stuff together in the Big 12 schedule, uh... And through the end of the year. So, um, it's probably like, it's not quite the direct line because Ohio State ended up winning the championship anyway, but like, how you might have felt as an Ohio State fan in 2014 about losing to Virginia Tech, and if Ohio State would have played Virginia Tech in November, Ohio State would have won by 50. It's not quite the same because I'm not saying Oklahoma would have beat Ohio State by 50, but teams change. And that Oklahoma Oklahoma team changed in a big way after it lost to Ohio State. And so they did lose some people again. They lost some, everybody loses people, but, um, I just we just want to caution Ohio State fans to not base what you think is going to happen against Oklahoma this year off what happened in week two last year. Think more about the team Oklahoma was in the second half of last year, and think more about the team Ohio State was in the second half of last year. And again, when you talk about the team Ohio State was in the second half of last year, that's the team that got shut up by Clemson. That's the team that lost at Penn State. 
That's the team that struggled at home with Northwestern. That's the team that barely beat Michigan State. That's the team that needed a double overtime to beat Michigan. So just keep that in your head. All right, I want to run through one more thing on this list, and then we'll get to uh, some questions. Guys that Ohio State recruited that are on this top 100 list and they didn't get. And it's just interesting to think about Ohio State gets a lot of guys, and we know especially the class of 2017 and what's happening in the class of 2018, they are getting almost anybody they want. Um, and they got almost anybody they want in the 2013. But there are some guys out there who could really help. The number six player overall is Minka Fitzpatrick, the defensive back from Alabama, who Ohio State was on early uh, from New Jersey, and he went to Bama, and boy, would he be nice. Imagine a secondary that had <coughs> Minka Fitzpatrick and Malik Hooker on the back end of it last year. Number 12 is Dexter Lawrence from Clemson. And, again, this is something uh, that we wrote a lot about on Cleveland.com when Ohio State played Clemson. Dexter Lawrence is that exact kind of defensive tackle that Ohio State has been desperate to get. Um, they're now getting some of those guys, but we haven't really seen it happen on the field yet. They're stacked at defensive end this year. They certainly Dexter Lawrence from Clemson is number twelve overall player, and I know people have written, people have said he's a true sophomore this year. He was an impact player as a true freshman. Uh, they think uh, in the 2019 draft, after the 2018 season, when he'll be a junior, he could be the number one pick in the NFL draft. That's how good he is. Uh, number twelve on this list. Think about him being an Ohio State Buckeye. It's interesting, like <clears throat> to see where he is. And then they see where like Rashawn Gary and Nick Bosa are. There's a pretty sizable gap, and that like he's awesome. Lawrence is awesome, but um, like these are all guys who are very similar, similarly rated in the same recruiting class, and like somehow he's made this leap over them. When I think like Nick Bosa and Rashawn Gary have still been pretty good, I would th- I would think they're like close to as good as Dexter Lawrence. Number thirteen is Christian Kirk from Texas A and M, wide receiver, one of the best wide receivers in the country. Mm-hmm. Would help here, just a little bit, yeah. And again, that's a that's a guy they missed on, but now they've been hitting and they hit on some of these receiver recruits. They just need to see it on the field, and we think we're they're going to show it on the field when uh, Austin Mack and Ben Victor, and then the true freshman Trayvon Grimes, Jalen Harris, when these guys get to be mainstays of the offense, you think maybe we will see an uptick in receiver play. Mm-hmm. Number thirty is Christian Wilkins, another defensive tackle from Clemson. He, to put it bluntly, is the guy who put his finger in the butts of the Ohio State players during the Orange Bowl, which was like a, a thing. You know what I'm talking about. It was weird. Um, he's a very good defensive lineman. Clemson's defensive line is unbelievable. I think they have three, maybe even four defensive linemen in this top 100. But he was another guy Ohio State recruited. Um, Josh Sweat from Florida State, you guys remember. He's a kid from Virginia. I think he was down to... Florida State, Virginia Tech, and Ohio State, wasn't he? Yeah. And ended up at Florida State. He's number 43 on this list. Mike uh, Gusecki is a tight end from Penn State. He's number 81. He was down to basically Ohio State and Penn State. Porter Gustin is a linebacker at USC. Played as a freshman last year, right? It was by, starting by the end of the year, yeah. He's number 96. He's a kid from Utah, right? Mm-hmm. Wasn't he basically down to Ohio State and USC? Well, it seemed like, yeah. And then number 99 on this list is Cam Akers. And what do we know about Cam Akers? Cam Akers has the best high school football highlight tape I've ever seen in my life. Um, He's out of Mississippi. He played like Wildcat quarterback and ran over everyone in the state of Mississippi. And he's going to be Florida State starting running back. And if he is uh, the number one or 
if he is one of the best running backs in the country as a true freshman, I will not be surprised one bit. I will be disappointed if he's not that. He's awesome. All right, so let's get to some uh, questions. Again, you guys can always find us on Twitter at BillLandis25, at Doug Maurice. Um And I feel like I don't – so so Ari's not here this week. Ari's on vacation, but he also is not a Cleveland.com employee anymore. He's moved on to another job. He he. We think he's may continue as part of the podcast, but I'm not going to promote him. Yeah. Never read wherever he works. <laughs> we want to stay employed at the place where we work, so we're going to promote that. Cleveland.com. And I, can I just give – should I give a one-minute speech? <clears throat> yeah. Go ahead. You guys want to hear a one-minute speech? About what? About the state of things. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'd be interested to hear that. Here's the deal. If you like Ohio State's... Let me start over. Take two. (laughs) If you like Cleveland.com's Ohio State coverage, you will continue to like Cleveland.com and their Ohio State coverage. The way we do things, the stories we write, the way we cover recruiting, the type of recruiting stories we write, the way we ask Urban Meyer questions, the way we go after stories, um, none of that is going to change. It's a philosophy we have at Cleveland.com. We've been lucky to have very talented people here who can execute that philosophy. But we have a style of doing things here uh, that is not going away. And so... Um, there are lots of places out there for you to get your Ohio State football coverage. We know that. We appreciate each and every one of you that listen to this podcast. We appreciate the ones even more because it more directly translates to us keeping our jobs. Those of you who go to the website at cleveland.com slash OSU and read our stuff, if you have done that, nothing's going to change. The stories that you like the best are still going to be there. Bill Landis is going to do a lot of recruiting stuff. If you liked the kind of recruiting stories Cleveland.com wrote before, you're going to continue to like those stories. We also may shake things up a little bit. We may find new ways to bring you what we think is the best Ohio State football coverage anywhere out there. So um, we know you have a lot of options, but we appreciate you guys listening to us and reading us and continue to read us because we're going to keep giving you what you've liked so far And we're even going to give you some better stuff. So we have lots of ideas. We're going to have a big meeting. We're going to come up with stuff. We have lots of plans um, to continue to hit Ohio State hard and do what we think is a really good job at it. So I just wanted to say that. That Well said. All right. Questions. I just got this question. It just came in. And I want to go right to it first because I think it's a new questioner. It's at Paul Hunterman on Twitter, who asks, does playing on Thursday at Indiana give Ohio State an edge on Oklahoma? You know what? I didn't think of that. Um, I mean, yes, from a rest standpoint, the number of practices you're allowed, like practice hours in a week you're allowed doesn't change. But, I mean, a couple extra days to prepare for Oklahoma, whether that's watching film on your own or doing whatever, getting on the field on your own, um, no, that's not a bad thing at all. The thing, like, we talked about before we started recording, um, recording because we were talking about Ohio State schedule a little bit and how last year the two biggest games Ohio State had to play outside of Michigan were like on the road at Wisconsin or sorry two of the biggest games they had to play were on the road at Wisconsin and on the road at Penn State back-to-back weeks and in each of those games the opponent was coming off a bye week 
And I think that showed in the struggle that it was to beat Wisconsin and the fact that Penn State beat Ohio State um, on the road at Beaver Stadium. So you don't have a bye week, but you have something close to it before you have to play Oklahoma at home in the second week of the season. So, yeah, I can't certainly can't hurt. I don't know ultimately how much it will help, but it will help a little bit. I will say um, this, this kind of thing has shown up before. There are two very specific examples. One is um, when they played Navy to open the year. And Navy has a very specific style of football they play with the triple option. They have a specific style of blocking uh, that is very uh, difficult on the defensive lineman. And that takes a lot out of you. And that led to the Virginia Tech loss, right? Yeah, and that happens all the time. That was the first game that Bill Landis covered for Cleveland.com was we picked him up in the Walmart parking lot and drove to Maryland to cover the Navy game. And then you come back and they lose to Virginia Tech, and that was not a coincidence. And then the next year, they opened at Virginia Tech on a Monday, on Labor Day. So instead of playing on a Thursday two days early, they played on a Monday two days late, and then they came back and played Hawaii the next Saturday. And Cardale Jones and the whole offense looked like crap. And Urban Meyer yanked Cardale Jones after three series in that game. And they talked about how everybody was thrown off by the short prep week. And that was the beginning of the unnecessary quarterback controversy that in the end helped derail that season. And I think if they had had a normal week of preparation going into Hawaii, there would have been less reason to rank Cardale Jones. And that whole season may have played out differently because I felt like that was the beginning of the uncertainty that maybe you would have ended up at JT Barrett anyway, but I think you wound up at JT Barrett almost like the worst way you could have wound up at him. And it started with that, and it started with playing on a Monday and having two fewer days to prep as opposed to now when you will have two more days to prep. Yeah, okay. so let me, I'm going to flip that. And I think I might have said this before. <clears throat> but I think last year part of the reason Ohio State was so good at Oklahoma is because they played Bowling Green the week before, and I could, could have drawn up the game plan for Ohio State to beat Bowling Green. It was 77-3 to three or whatever it was. They basically had a bye week before they played Oklahoma and had as much time as they wanted to prepare for Oklahoma. How much do you think now playing Indiana, who's not the best team in the Big Ten but is certainly a more real team than Bowling Green, before the major game against Oklahoma might impact things? I think it's a twofold thing because you have to think about both teams. Yeah. I think in the end, and this is the second part of this question, I actually think they're going to have less of an edge on Oklahoma than they did last year. But it's still very nice for them to play on Thursday instead of Saturday. But what's going to make the difference is, is that Oklahoma is not going to play Houston the week before they play Ohio State. Do you know who they play? I'm looking they up. play UTEP. Okay. And so Oklahoma is going to have a much – they lost to Houston last year and then had to come back and play Ohio State. They started 0-2. Oklahoma is going to have a much easier opener than they did last year. So that will make their preparation better. But Ohio State's going to have two extra days to think and rest and for the coaches to game plan. So that will help. So I think both Ohio State and Oklahoma will be more prepared for each other thanks to the way the schedule shakes down, than they were a year ago. Yeah, that makes sense to me. All right. I'm going to go to our man, uh, Jock Fistick. Ooh. 
whose Twitter handle is actually at Miami Buckeye. He has two Twitter handles. I'm on the you jock. For real? Yeah. What's up, Jock? I think one's professional and one's personal. I get it. I appreciate that. What's your professional? What's your personal one that we don't know about? I can't tell you. I actually have one. But no, it's not a personal one. It's one that I made uh, fake to uh, play practical jokes on a friend of mine one time. But I still have it. I still exist. Wow. Do you ever send in questions to Buckeye Talk from that account? I have not. No. You wouldn't know it if you heard the name. Um, All right. Who do you think are the potential trap games this season for the Buckeyes? He throws out uh, Indiana... Iowa and Michigan State as possibilities. Um, I don't know. Like, I'll buy Indiana because it's kind of a weird opening on a Thursday and opening against a Big Ten opponent. I'm never going to call Michigan State a trap game. I'm just going to call it a game because even Michigan State, at it, the lowest probably it's been under Mark D'Antonio last year, almost beat Ohio State. In a three-win season where they were awful all year, almost beat Ohio State up in East Lansing. So that, to me, is never going to be a trap game. Because trap games suggest that you're overlooking them for whatever comes next. Ohio State plays Illinois after it plays Michigan State. If Ohio State is looking ahead to Illinois while it's playing Michigan State, they have some serious problems. Um, Iowa is an interesting one. Maybe Iowa. Sandwich between Penn State and Michigan State. A road game against an Iowa team that I don't, I don't know how good Iowa's going to be this year. I know they have a new quarterback. They have Josie Jewell, who we talked about, as an All-American linebacker. Um, Iowa on the road between a major game against Penn State and a, and a tricky game against Michigan State is probably the closest you're going to come. But I do think, and, and Bill sort of noted this, we were, you know, we're going to break down Ohio State's schedule as well and just do stories about come up with a final percentage chance we think they have to go undefeated. Um, their schedule, in the way it's scheduled, works out pretty well for them in yeah. that they have the bye before the Penn State game, they have the Thursday night game before Oklahoma. Um, they have Illinois before Michigan, as opposed to the last two years, they had Michigan State, Michigan back to back, which was a big ask. Now you have Michigan State, Illinois, Michigan, so you have a breather in between there. Um, it, they 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 have some chance, you know, at Nebraska is a road trip, but they have Rutgers and Maryland before that, you know. So it actually is a pretty favorable schedule again with what Bill said about how some of the buys that other teams had last year sort of worked against Ohio State. Um, but I think things actually are a little better for them this year with the way things go. And you don't think anything about that Illinois game between Michigan State and Michigan. Illinois is... I'm not a bad in Illinois at the moment, yeah. no. Um, at E. Bronstein, it's Eric Bronstein, asks, what do you think the assistant defensive co- coordinator title means for Kerry Combs? Does he more- run the entire back end? What's the deal? Yeah, that's the vibe that we got. I asked Irvin Meyer about this in the spring, and he was like taken aback by it that anyone would care about the... Uh, structure of his coaching staff in the spring. But, yeah, that's basically what we're told by both Urban Meyer and Greg Schiano is that Greg Schiano has the only defensive coordinator title. There's no co, there's not two assistant defensive coordinators. So Greg Schiano now oversees a defense as a whole, and Kerry Combs, who's been the cornerbacks coach here for five years, is now like in charge of the entire back end of the defense, as Greg Schiano, who coaches safeties, now has more of a hand in the front seven um, and the back seven working together. So that's what assistant defensive coordinator means. Um, and Kerry Combs, he said it was it's a pretty good change for him because he hasn't in the past been able to coach the corners and the safeties together very much in practice. There's always been a voice for the corners and a voice for the safeties, and now it sounds like more often than not there's going to be one voice, Kerry Combs, coaching the entire back end of the defense. Which they at one point talked about how that really was a problem. They needed to get together, and then it was kind of weird. They brought in – it's been very weird back there. They just sort of – they explain things after they cram stuff together the yeah. way it needs to be crammed together. 
But I almost felt like, I mean, they made a big point of when Kerry Combs, there was the rumor that Kerry Combs might go to Cincinnati. He said, he made it sound like that was never really on the table. But Urban Meyer indicated at that point in time that Kerry Combs was going to have more responsibilities. And then nothing changed. And then it was like, off after the fact, they were like, oh, yeah, okay, now he's going to be the assistant defensive coordinator. I almost feel like they forgot. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, the timing of it was weird. He got his pay bump, which I guess is the most important thing in his eyes. But then Money the, matters the most. The thing that Urban Meyer did say is, because I asked him specifically, like you said, Kerry Collins was going to have a, quote, expanded role coordinating the defense. What does that mean? And he said he was going to evaluate the spring and every defensive assistant and then come out of it with a decision. So maybe it just took that time to get that done. Do you have any questions? We're getting long, I think. I have two, and I think um, the answers to both will be quick. Um, and one's a recruiting question, and it's kind of just like a housekeeping recruiting thing that I think will be good. So for one question is from uh, JW. His Twitter handle is at Giants1111. Where are some landing spots for Greg Schiano next year if we're operating under the assumption that this is Greg Schiano's final season as Ohio oh. State's defensive coordinator? And we talked. I think we mentioned it before. Like the obvious one would be like Notre Dame, right? Yeah. Like we think Brian Kelly's probably out at Notre Dame, barring some kind of miracle this year. I think Greg Schiano would be very uh, attractive to Notre Dame. Outside of that, I don't know because Greg Schiano is not going to go. Like he could have had the South Florida job last year, I think, if he wanted it. I mean, and he's not going to go to a program like that. Didn't his name pop up briefly for Oregon? Yes. I mean, it's like one of those like, okay, well, he coached at Rutgers. Maybe he's you know he's at Ohio State. Is he more of an East Coast? Midwest guy, but he went to the Tampa Bay Bucks. I mean, I I think I think he would go anywhere and do anything. And I think again, if we're talking about um, some of the SEC programs, maybe not being where they want to be, um, it's like name name the SEC coach that might be fired. Which is like everyone outside of Nick Saban. There's an argument to be made. I think. Yeah. So I mean. Would he go to Texas A&M? I mean, he might. He'd go to Texas A&M. Let me let me ask you this one. Just because, like, their season last year was not great. I don't know what their season like th- is going to be this year. There's been some very serious off the field stuff that has happened under Mark D'Antonio's watch at Michigan State in the last calendar year. With another bad season, is it possible that he could be out of Michigan State? And if so, is that an attractive job for Greg Schiano? I think it is an attractive job, except it's 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 an attractive job, but. You've got to find a way to beat Urban Meyer, Jim Harbaugh, and James Franklin. Right. Um, but I don't think you can shy away from that. I would be very surprised if they decided to do anything with Mark D'Antonio unless the off-field stuff feels like the program is ha- overall has a problem. Yeah. Um, what he did with the multi, whatever it was, however many years they won double-digit games at a place where that was really hard to do um, – just, I mean, it's like the Fad Mata thing I said. Yeah. It's like you have two bad years and you're going to fire a guy who, like, revitalized the program. So I would not think that, but but I think the point you make is is well taken that uh, losing is one thing, but losing combined with off-field issues is another thing. So if this happens to be more than just these this group of players that got kicked off the team for um, off-field issues dealing with um, – what's the right word? Assault uh, accusations of sexual assault. Sexual assault. Yeah. If that is, if that becomes more of an issue than than what has already been uh, addressed, then that's a different thing. Yeah. Okay. One last question. We'll get out on this, and it's just to wrap up recruiting. Uh, Brock at Brock Doctor said <clears throat> or asked, "Who are the 2018 recruiting targets who have 100% quote unquote committable offers? Meaning, 
who are the players they take on National Signing Day no matter what? Which I think is a good question. So Ohio State has 14 commitments right now in the class of 2018, and I'm just going to quickly list players. If you want to know guys who have Ohio State offers, who are interested in Ohio State, and who Ohio State would definitely take if they were to commit to Ohio State. Wide receiver Cameron Babb, four-star from St. Louis. Wide receiver Blue Smith is a four-star from Dayton. Um, I think five-star wide receiver Amon Ross St. Brown from Matter Day in California, who's kind of blowing up a little bit. Um, if he weren't to go to Ohio State, they would absolutely take him. Jeremy Ruckert, four-star tight end from uh, Lindenhurst, New York. Jackson Carmen, obviously we talked a lot about him. Uh, Jamari Seiler from Georgia is another offensive lineman they would take. Um, Frederick, Frederick Scruggs is a center from West Virginia, or from Erie, Pennsylvania, excuse me, they would take. Um, Michael Parsons from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, defensive end. Tyreek Smith from Cleveland Heights, defensive end. Jason Owe, defensive end from New Jersey. All three of those guys are takes. Solomon Tuliapupu from California would be a take. Anthony Cook, cornerback from Houston, is a take. Tyson Campbell, cornerback from Fort Lauderdale, is a take. And that is probably it as guys they would definitely take in the 18 class. And then there's some other guys kind of mixed in there who have offers who could potentially be guys who kind of rise up their board as guys commit other places. That, and they have 14 right now? 14 right and now. And how many guys was that that you listed? Do you know? It's like six or seven? No, it's probably more like 10. Okay. They're going to get to 25. They're going to take 25. And the, the math doesn't quite work out. They're going to take 25, I think. Are we going to play this game again? Are we going to play it every year? Every year. How are they going to do it? How are they going to do math. it? Guys leave for the NFL. Guys suddenly leave for other reasons, and you're there? Yep. Okay. I actually got two. I have two quick ones. Um, Space Cowboy at Maloney Kingpen. Does anyone have better biscuits and gravy than Bob Evans? I am not a biscuits and gravy guy. You know, I'm I'm getting into biscuits and gravy a little bit, um, but I'm not a connoisseur. I have had Bob Evans biscuits and gravy. It's very good. I've had it at Cracker Barrel. It's good. And I had I went to a place um, here in Columbus, just actually just outside of Bexley, Ohio, called Grill and Skillet. I went there for breakfast uh, on Sunday and had their sausage gravy, and it was terrific. It wasn't on biscuits. It was on uh, some chicken fried steak, but it was good, and I'm assuming their biscuits are good, too. I think I would call that skill and grill it if I was them. Skill and grill it? Oh, that's yeah. good, too. Yeah. Um, a little hole-in-the-wall place. It's good. Ryan Sullivan, at Sully5351. He's a frequent asker. Mm-hmm. What's on the menu for the fourth? Oh, you know what? Uh, my girlfriend is a little... She's not mad at me, but she's disappointed that we moved into a new house, but we have not yet purchased a grill. Oh. But we did get some hot dogs, some Hebrew National hot dogs, best in the game. Uh, we're going to cook those up on the 4th. I think we're going to have steaks. My wife's family is from Iowa, and they have lots of people in their family who live on farms and, like, raise their own cattle. So we get, like, free meat. I've had the bacon. I have. That was kind of an actually weird batch of bacon. We sort of apologize for that. It still tastes good. Um, but we get, like, free bacon and free steaks. And uh, we just ate some Iowa steaks on the Yellowstone trip with my daughter – is a huge steak eater. So I think she will demand those Iowa steaks in the fourth. Um, and then last question from at Nashman92, Samuel Fleming. It's another loyal follower. We'll get This is just a little advance notice for you podcast listeners. Here's a question. Are you taking more Ohio State responsibilities since Ari is no longer with you and Bill? Um, we're going to have a meeting. Oh, you, yeah. Okay. Me. We're going to have a meeting. But we can tell you that we anticipate three people being rather devoted to Ohio State in the fall um, and me probably being pretty darn devoted to Ohio State. Maybe a look um, closer to what it used to be and 
less of what it was last year when I was doing some Brown stuff and I wasn't around as much with Ohio State. But we got to figure that out. But here's the promise. We promise you great Ohio State coverage at Cleveland.com and a mediocre podcast. Giordano story, is there enough time? So we're going to have Giordano's today. I It opens at 11. It's two miles from my house. There's like a Giordano's in Indianapolis. They just opened this one in Columbus. It's two miles from my house in Westerville. I was there on the first day. They open at 11 a.m. At 11.15, I called. And I wanted to get the thin crust pizza, which doesn't take as long as the thick crust pizza. Yep. Guess, and this was to get anything for, not even for delivery, to go pick it up and carry it out. Oh, I think Guess I when the what earliest happened. time you could get it was. Like 3 p.m.? 9.30 tonight. Oh, really? Wow. I called at 11.15, 15 minutes after they opened. Because they were so backed up? Yeah, I think it yeah, was that, that they, happened to me once. they can't, they almost like would just not give you takeout pizza because they were too busy using the ovens to serve the in-house people. Yeah, that, my girlfriend and I tried to go there for dinner last week, I think, and we like tried to make a reservation. They wouldn't take a reservation, and we said, okay, we'll order a pizza to go, and they said, yeah, that's going to take four hours. So what did you do? Got pizza somewhere else. <laughs> It's like unbelievable. Yeah. It's like almost impossible to go, which is strange. They'll figure it out, but they build it in an old Buffalo Wild Wings that is not the biggest space, and I think they should have found a better space. Yeah. There's, this is a crazy suburban area. There's suburbs everywhere. They could have built a new building and built There's four times There's no construction going of, on in Columbus. They could have, yeah, they could have erected a new Giordano's that has like six stories and enough ovens to serve the populace. So we could have had lunch on July 3rd at 930 at night. So I apologize that that Sounds didn't good. happen. I'm going to have lunch later. Yeah. Um, all right. He's Bill Landis. I'm Doug Maurice. Uh, follow us, cleveland.com slash OSU. On Twitter, at BillLandis25 or at Doug Maurice. We always appreciate your questions. Uh, we appreciate you guys listening. Find us on iTunes, our special Buckeye Talk section there. Google Play. Google Play. That's new. Mm-hmm. Stitcher. That's old. Mm-hmm. We're everywhere. Go find us and listen. And thanks again for doing it. Um, So for Bill, I'm Doug. And that was Buckeye Talk.